The Tom Woods Show, episode 1599. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Folks, bad news for you. In 2021, there will be no Contra Cruz. So if you've been wanting to join us, this is the year to do it. We're going to be doing a roast of Dave Smith. Scott Horton will also be joining us, as will Phil Labonte of All That Remains. Check it out at ContraCruise.com. Hey, everybody. Tom Woods here. We've got a great debate analysis episode for you of the South Carolina Democratic Party debate the other night. It had Mike Bloomberg in it. It's the first time we've talked about a debate featuring Mike Bloomberg because we weren't able to do one uh, the previous week. So you're just going to love this. It's with Lou Rockwell, of course. Who else? Lou, as you know, is the publisher of LouRockwell.com, L-E-W-Rockwell.com, founder and chairman of the Mises Institute, chief of staff for Ron Paul in the old days, and uh, now debate commentator like no other. Lou, welcome back. Tom, great to be with you. All right. Well, there's a variable here now. There's something new. There's a wild card is what I mean to say, namely Bloomberg, that at least makes the debate a little bit different because I think you and I were just throwing our hands up in despair at these debates. They weren't interesting. It was the same debate over and over. The people are boring and and irritating to listen to. And then last week, I was in London anyway, but I had already kind of written off these debates. And so we missed the big Bloomberg oh, bomb. Yeah, just tremendous. You know? So maybe, I don't know, did you watch any of that? Did you just watch clips or did you actually watch that? Are you kidding? I watched the entire thing and I couldn't take my eyes off of it. I mean, it was the most interesting debate since Kennedy-Nixon. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was just tr- tremendously fascinating. These people all looked like, of course, total idiots. And Bloomberg especially, who I, I guess didn't, didn't uh, get ready for it. I mean, he was a deer in the headlights and uh, did very, very badly. And it probably, if he had a chance, I guess that has ended it. Although uh, last night he did better. And, and what he did was he canceled all his events uh, except one between the last debate and this debate to simply do preparation. And uh, he was better. He still, I think, seemed nervous. And he, you know, but he was definitely better. Yes, yes, he definitely was. That first time through, I don't know who was prepping him. He has so much money, he could hire the best people. I don't think he was prepping. I think he was just so arrogant that he figured, I can, this is ridiculous. Yeah, you know Ridiculously what? You know, easy. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, Lou, I think you may be right about that. Yeah, because how else do you explain that he was obviously <laughs> blindsided yeah, tremendous, by what yeah. any consultant would have told him right away he had to be ready for? Here are three or four things they are without a doubt going to hit you on. Mm-hmm, you better right. be ready. He wasn't ready for any of them. Yeah, no, and of course, last night was just as crazy and chaotic, although less interesting, uh, than the previous one with these, were there were were there any moderators? I guess they were, but they didn't seem to play any role, and uh, they were all just shouting at each other. And and my guess is that relatively few regular people. I mean, we watched the whole thing. Relatively few regular people watched beyond the beginning of that because it just sort of gave you a headache. I mean, it was it was uh, I, I think uh, unpleasant, funny. I'm sure Trump enjoyed it, but um, there were there were some interesting moments though. Yes, right, right, right. So let's let's go ahead and talk about those. Okay, first of all, obviously they're coming after Bernie because he seems to be unstoppable at this point. Who still knows about Bloomberg? We can't write him off, obviously. He has that much money. He's, as I noted, maybe with you, he's extremely uncharismatic. He's not likable at all. Yes. Which is why he has to spend this kind of money to get people to be able to stand the side of him. 
So I <laughs> didn't think he was going to really get a lot of traction. The only reason he might get traction is as the rich anti-Bernie candidate. And in fact, as a matter of fact, before we go on, I want to ask you something that I was speculating about earlier this week. Let's suppose Bernie does not get the nomination, but Bloomberg does. Now, Bloomberg, he's a billionaire, and he will obviously have bought the nomination, and everybody knows that. Now, it's one thing for Bernie in 2016 to have endorsed Hillary. I mean, we all knew he would because he has no backbone, and he's, as I always say, he's not one one-hundredth the man Ron Paul was, so he's just going to That's endorse right. uh, Hillary. Even though she stood for the things he was against, he endorsed her. Can he plausibly endorse Bloomberg just on never-Trump grounds, even though Bloomberg is the very kind of person he targets in his rhetoric and bought the nomination? Can he get away with that? My guess is he will endorse him and because as you say, he has no backbone. I mean, uh, Tom Luongo had a great column where he pointed out that if Bernie had any background, he would have done what Trump did when he was told that uh, the Russians were promoting him as the Democratic candidate. He would have said, I don't believe these, these so-called intelligence agencies. I'm the guy that they want to get rid of. I'm the guy they don't want. And I'm here to tell you I'm going to be here. And I don't care what these so-called intelligence people say. Um, I'm, I'm not going to, uh, you know, I'm not going to pay any attention to them. Right, right, exactly. And in fact, there are people like Jimmy Dore and others who have been saying, look, I warned Bernie, if you fall for this ridiculous Russiagate nonsense, oh. it will come back to hit you. And now it is. And he's reduced to this pathetic line. I'll say to Mr. Putin, you will <laughs> never interfere in another election. What a stupid comeback. By the way, does the U.S. ever interfere in anybody else's elections? It interferes in everyone's elections. It actually has an agency, the National Endowment for Democracy, that's officially with a big budget, a real subsidiary of the CIA, although not officially, that that's intervenes in everybody's elections. I mean, that's its yeah. job. And to yeah. bring about democracy, by which they mean, of course, U.S. control. So the idea that, you know, that any other country is, is responding and is, that's horrible, it's terrible, kill them all, nuke them, is uh, seems to me just entirely outrageous. And yet here we have the supposedly leftist candidate who's willing to say Castro had his good points, but he won't say that. So he'll say, he'll, he'll go out on a limb for Castro, but he won't go on, out on a limb against the intelligence agencies, which I'm sure in the 1960s, he didn't particularly like, but now suddenly the wind has, the way the wind is blowing has changed. And, and so now he's on board. Why didn't he pivot on the Castro question and said, you know what I don't understand? He said, it seems to me a terrible thing that every American president from Kennedy uh, until Trump, with the exception of Obama, has wanted to starve the Cuban people to death with all these sanctions. He said, and we're having sanctions against North Korea to try to starve them to death and Iran to try to starve them to death. And these two countries say, we're not going to talk to you unless you stop trying to starve our people to death. And we say, wow, what an outrageous, crazy you know, dictatorship thing to say. Uh, but of course, they, and, and he could say, by the way, I think the Congress made a mistake in giving the president the unilateral right to impose sanctions. These are very, very damaging anti-civilian sanctions. They're immoral and uh, it, it's, uh, the U.S. shouldn't be doing it. And, and we shouldn't have done that to Cuba. We're now doing it again to Cuba. Shouldn't do it to Nicaragua. Trump has killed tens of thousands of people through starvation in uh, Venezuela through his sanctions. Isn't it about time we stopped doing this? Yeah, and he he would have gotten some cheers for that. Oh no, he would have gotten that would have been the answer. He yeah. didn't have to say, you know, that uh, he 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 set up a literacy program. And of course, as some people have 
And, and uh, Miami pointed out the literacy program he set up to make everybody literate was so they'd be subject to government propaganda. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So not because <laughs> It's not because he wanted them to read great literature. No, of course. That's a lot of times what it is. And then I'll just say as a side point, so many people who are excited about countries having high literacy rates, well, I would like to see that too. But then it does sort of depend on what you go on to read after that. If you spend the rest of your <laughs> life reading ghost-written James Patterson novels, you may as well be illiterate. What possible? You know, what are you putting that that uh, skill to? You know, it's interesting that the, Amer the Americans in the colonies before the American Revolution were noted in Europe for being extremely literate. And of course, there was no there were no public schools at all. Thank goodness. And uh, parents took tremendous care to make sure their children read so they could read the Bible. And so they could, uh, you know, read lit great literature. That's the way it happened without without government schools. They can probably dig up some pretty damaging things. Bernie has said oh, about. Gosh, yeah. I mean, we we already know the the stuff on the surface about various people and the whole literacy thing in Cuba. You know, I did an episode. I'll link to it on our show notes page here with our friend Umberto Fontova after Castro died, where he goes through and says, "All right, the communists boast about this statistic and that statistic." Well, let me tell you the statistics before the communists got in, because <laughs> yeah. that'll provide a little bit of context here. You can't just pull some number out of thin air and say, look what we've accomplished. Yeah, but if it's 30% worse than it was <laughs> three years ago, that's actually not a good thing. So we went through that together. But as some other people have noted, probably any regime has something to be said for it. If you, if you seize all those resources, presumably – it wouldn't all be graft. You know, you would have a bridge that you built. You'd have a stadium. There would be something you could point to. That was why Henry Hazlitt's point was that you can't leave the analysis there. You can't say, here, look at this project that we can all see. Isn't that a good thing? You have to think about all the things that you don't see, all the things that would have been built, would have happened. So, yeah, okay, maybe there was a literacy program, but on those grounds, you could probably praise any regime whatsoever. But that that's low-hanging fruit. I mean, you and I, some, somebody commenting on the debate from the Heritage Foundation could be making these points, Lou. So I feel like we need to, you and I need to step it up to another level. So so let's go on and, and, and uh, give me your overall assessment of who emerges. I mean, did, did anybody advance last night? And did anybody fall behind, or did they all more or less maintain their positions? Well, I, I, I guess Biden advanced slightly, uh, although I, I enjoyed his hilarious comment that if only Bernie had voted for some gun bill, uh, that we would have uh, saved 150 million people from death. Oh, I know. Oh, 150 gosh, million. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it's, uh, but I, you know, he, he, he wasn't. I think that was the one blooper he made. And uh, but is he actually going to get any votes? I, I don't know. We'll 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 have to see. Um, I think uh, Elizabeth Warren fell back. Um, she was obviously looking to uh, to redo her what she sees as a great success the last time in showing up Bloomberg. And so she uh, uh, went after him again on the NDA business. And he said, well, I've released everybody and we're not going to ever have any more NDAs in my company. And uh, so <laughs> they took care of that. And then. Uh, she said, um, you know, that you told, you told one of your employees when she was pregnant, kill it. And he said, why, I never said that. And then he sort of said, I don't remember saying that. Well, of course, he, you, know, you, you know he said it. It's the kind of guy he is. Uh, but she said, uh, when, I was, when I was a teacher and I was pregnant 
and I got fired because I was pregnant. At least the principal didn't say to me, kill it. Well, because <laughs> I, I guess obviously uh, you can't be ironic about these kinds of things, but I thought it would have been funny if um, Bloomberg had said, no, no, I, I should have said, and this is what I say now, let me have my car take you to Planned Parenthood because we don't want to have your career affected by this massive cells that you're carrying around. Uh, get rid of it and uh, exercise a woman's right to choose. And, you know, so, so she was actually criticizing his calling for an abortion. I mean, it's very interesting that that's, you know, that, that, that that's a problem for her. And again, she told this story about her being uh, almost being fired because she was pregnant. Of course, it uh, is one of the many lies she tells. Uh, they, uh, people went back to the records. They, the principal offered her a contract. When she turned it down, the, the Board of Education in this little town uh, asked her please to stay, and she didn't want to stay. So she, she, of course, is the, you know, pretend Indian and all the rest. Uh, somebody on Tucker Carlson's show referred to her as the Cherokee dominatrix after the last debate, and she tried to fulfill that again. It didn't work, and I, I noticed on the, at least the, the Drudge poll, which is the only poll I saw this morning, uh, she is the, the lowest ranking. And uh, Klobuchar is up, although I must say I, I don't see it with Klobuchar, but uh, she's up, Biden's up, uh, Bernie's still won, according to Drudge, and uh, Buttigieg is down. And uh, I noticed all the media praising Buttigieg. Oh, he's magnificent. This was his best night. He's great. He's wonderful. He seems to me a very sinister figure, of course, uh, owned by the CIA and um, just very unpleasant. I think he, uh, uh, you know, he, maybe all these people are potential dictators. He definitely, I think, he is. So, but they all claim that, that Biden is doing better, but of course, they're desperate to have Bernie beaten. And Bernie did, I think, take uh, some blows last night, um, and he's and they're going to go after him, of course, in the intervening uh, days before the before Super Tuesday. But I think he held his number one position, and uh, Elizabeth Warren at the bottom. Um, I, I judges at the bottom of the Drudge poll. Maybe that's going to be going to be different on a, on a uh, you know a regular poll. We'll just, we'll just have to see. Well, let me say this: Bernie has a rhetorical advantage in that pretty much everybody in the Democratic Party and probably just about everybody in the Republican Party has already accepted the basic premise of what he believes. He's just taking it farther. That's right. So when Buttigieg was criticizing him for being a democratic socialist or whatever and being a radical, all he had to do was come back and say, and he was very powerful here. He said, okay, do you think this is radical? Do you think healthcare for people is radical? Do you think this is radical? This is the mainstream of what America wants. What's Buttigieg going to say? Well, yeah, but I think they should have 10% less of it. <laughs> you know, I mean, what kind of – and the thing is they're – anti-socialists have done a really, really embarrassingly bad yes. job yeah. in recent years and particularly against Bernie because they think for some reason that just saying the word socialism is enough. But why would it be? Especially if you're a young person who's never heard that word have a negative connotation – so in other words, you're just throwing out a word. It's like calling somebody a racist. You're just throwing out a word and you actually think that substitutes for an argument. And then beyond that, then they'll just say, oh, Bernie's ideas led to 100 million deaths. But maybe, but I'm not entirely certain that Bernie actually wants to have the state own the means of production. So I, I, the whole thing is just dumb, right? If you, There are good arguments against Bernie. And and Lou, as you may know, you are, I, yes, your ebook. Yes. I have a free ebook. Doggone yeah. it! 
uh, BernieIsWrong.com. You should go over to BernieIsWrong.com and get their actual arguments against the guy. No, no, it's a great, it's it's one of your two forces. Oh, thank you. But but I mean, the thing is that if, if you, I mean, I don't listen to right-wing radio, but from what trickles out to me, they just, they've got nothing. It's like, it reminds me of the financial crisis. Because none of the right-wing media people knew anything about the Fed or their overlords never told them to talk about it, they didn't know what to do. So they had to say, oh, the Community Reinvestment Act, like we found something from 1977 that caused <laughs> the financial crisis. They didn't know what else to say because yeah. it, they had no intellectual foundation. That's what's basically happened. The, the so-called opposition has been completely hollowed out intellectually. And so it's basically us and nobody else to fight this. I did think it was interesting that uh, when Bloomberg was charged with being for a stop question and frisk, Nobody would have brought up the, uh, let alone let alone Bloomberg, uh, Walter Williams's column this week, and which is on this subject, and he says, you know, I'm very sympathetic if an innocent black or Latino guy is stopped uh, by the cops and put through this. It's humiliating. It makes you. It's an outrage. It makes you angry and so forth. But he said this program of of uh, Bloomberg's probably saved tens of thousands of black and Latino lives. There are probably tens of thousands of young men alive today who wouldn't have been alive if Bloomberg had not been doing that. It's easier to envision how you get away with that legitimately in a private property society where there are clearly understood rules, where there are private firms involved, people can make choices, than to blanket impose this the way he did. You know, I hear that. Yes, yeah. You know, I hear that that argument. and, And given that... These people are all statists on the stage. They have no really principled case against that. They would no, all have no, some reason. I don't think they would mind. They're all for surveillance, for surveillance state, for example. That's right. Of course. What is yeah. that other than a kind of stop and frisk <laughs> of everybody? Yes. And yeah. I don't think they would mind. Uh, would they really have a principled objection to a stop and frisk policy of people that they view as domestic terrorists of one kind or another? I don't. I just don't think they that they do. So only no, it seems not. like only we really have a principled objection to that. Uh, for them, I think it's just uh, it's just opportunistic. And half of them probably, you know, twenty years ago would have just silently supported the policy. So I I don't believe a word they say about any of that stuff. Um, Let's see. So the the Castro stuff we we talked about, uh, Buttigieg going after uh, Bernie, I think he was partially effective. I have to say, yes, he was. Yeah, oh yeah. Because he's saying whatever else you want to say about these ideas, if if we have to defend a nominee who's saying the Castro regime wasn't all bad, I'm not looking forward to November, and the down ticket candidates are all running away from him and running away from his positions. You're putting them in a very difficult position. Is this really how we win? I think that's a legit point. And I I think Elizabeth Warren was not successful in her attempt to say, look, I'm the safe Bernie. Uh, I'm I'm slightly more moderate. And so I've got all the Bernie uh, qualifications and all the programs he wants, but I'm going to do it a little more, uh, just a a softer, easier way to, to go about it. I won't be as hard. I won't be as radical. Nobody, I'm sure, you know, it was her last night, last night. Thank goodness. Yeah. I think of her as Lizzie Borden and her axe. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Now, let's think about, let's imagine a Bernie Sanders nomination. There are some people who say, oh, that's exactly the guy Trump would want to go up against. I'm not really sure. Partly because I don't think Trump will be prepared. He'll have none of the facts and figures at his fingertips. He's not a principled opponent of the state, not that any politician is. But so 
he's going to have to agree with Bernie on 40% of this stuff. So I don't think that's a matchup he necessarily wants. I don't, I mean, Hillary was so intensely unlikable that he could just be contemptuous of her and people would cheer. Bernie's not particularly charismatic, but he looks like a guy who really believes what he says and he's angry because he's outraged at injustice. And that's the way he comes across. Also, he's a populist. I think that's hard for Trump. He's a populist and it'd be tough for Trump to go up against another populist, even though right. he's a left-wing populist. Right. So I don't think you say if Bernie gets the nomination, Trump automatically wins. I think people are being much too complacent about that. Is that your opinion? Yes, but they've, I think they've, they've signaled that if he doesn't have a majority of the delegates when he goes to the convention, he will not be the candidate. I mean, I think they're all, they all said that last time. Uh, they didn't put it quite like that, but that's what they meant. And I, is it going to be Hillary? Um, you know, I, I don't know. But it, I, my guess is it would not be Bloomberg. My guess is Hillary is waiting in the wings, and she wants it very, very badly. And she would be the ideal candidate for Trump to go up against again. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's, well, that's interesting. Uh, you, you, you think that they are so anti-Bernie they just won't let him get because because my my thinking on that is, if they pull some kind of stunt to take the nomination away from him, then they permanently alienate a massive block of people. That's true. Would wouldn't it be better to just bite your tongue, let him have the nomination? Maybe he'll lose, and and you know okay, so you have four more years of Trump, which is great for fundraising, which is all they care about, <laughs> and. And then they can say, look, we tried your way, the same way they said to Goldwater. We tried your way being an extremist. Now we got to go back to the old establishment candidates just the way we used to do it. Couldn't they, couldn't they take that gamble? Well, they could, you know, they could very well try that uh, because it depends on, you know, if he's uh, f five delegates from getting the nomination, it's one thing. If he's um, got, say, 60% of the delegates, uh, then it seems to me it's something else. And of course, in the second ballot, um, the the superdelegates can vote. And um, so my guess is there would be a huge amount of pressure, bribing, although somebody pointed out that it's not technically against the law to bribe a delegate to a convention. Whoa. <laughs> that if, that if uh, Bloomberg really wanted to get the nomination, he could just pay everybody. Oh, man. Well... <laughs> but again, but if that happens, <laughs> if that happens, I mean, obviously no one will know, but... If Bernie, if, I mean, look, Bernie's almost 80 at this point. This has got to be his last uh, shot at it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Does he really want his legacy to be, he raised a stir, but when push came to shove, he got in line and was a company man? Or does he want his legacy to be, he created an amazing grassroots movement, and when those SOBs took it away from him, he told everybody where the dog died. He told everybody everything he knew about this corrupt organization and just said, you know, set fire to this corrupt thing uh, because it's what you people deserve. I'll tell you, that's how I'd want to be remembered. Well, I'd want to be that guy. <laughs> that would be great. And we'd all be cheering Bernie if he did that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so funny, Lou, that when we were doing these debate uh, episodes four years ago, it seemed to me at that time that the party that was really in trouble in the long run was the Republican Party because mm -hmm. the old consensus of free market economy, so-called you know, limited government, strong national defense, and and family values <laughs> was just breaking down. It was just so boomer, so 80s, so irrelevant, and it wasn't speaking to a lot of the concerns of ordinary people, and Trump uh, personified that. It looked like they were the ones in trouble, 
And now it looks like, geez, the Democrats are going to have a hard time holding it together. I mean, I, I don't know which one of these parties do you think uh, is its long run health is uh, is worse. I was, you know, I would say the Democrats, but the Republicans. Uh, we'll have to see what happens once if Trump is reelected. What happens when um, there's the next the next election, or if he's not reelected, uh, then I think it would happen immediately. And I think the the, uh, the establishment people are still in control, or or they would be absolutely in total control immediately if uh, if if Trump is defeated. So uh, they could be in trouble too. I you know it's I'd love to see them both go down myself. So after Super Tuesday, which is uh, as we're talking right now, that's less than a week away. I would assume people start dropping out at that point, and they make endorsements. Yes. Um, do you have any? I hate to tie you to predictions, so if you don't want to do this, you can just tell me to jump in a lake. But I, I mean, do you have any sense of who? Because I think by the end it'll be. I mean, after Super Tuesday, it's going to be hard for anybody, but there'll be one establishment person at least, and Bernie at least. Mm -hmm. Who gets the endorsements of the other candidates? I mean, is is Warren going to endorse Bernie? I guess she would endorse Bernie because she's not going to endorse Bloomberg. Right. And in fact, I don't think that any of the others would endorse Bloomberg. So yes, they'll all hold their nose and endorse and endorse Bernie. That he's yes, he has his problems, but uh, he's so far he's much better than Trump, much better than Bloomberg. Yeah, yeah. So they show polls saying that Trump is is uh you know gets beaten by Bernie. What do you think about that in in uh, February? I always get a kick out of it on Fox saying, hey, Trump, the latest the poll shows that Trump has 49% approval rating. Imagine that. It's wonderful. Can you believe it? It's so high. And <laughs> so there are a lot of people who don't like him. And um, I don't like a lot of what he does either. So it's, it's uh, I think Trump may have trouble. And also he's, he's going to be, he's, he's going to be like Bloomberg in the first debate. He's not going to prepare. He, he feels he knows everything. And that he can handle himself perfectly well. So I, I just hope he uh, pardons Roger Stone. That's the one thing Trump could do for us. Yeah, that, that yeah, Trump, and, uh, there are a bunch of people who should be pardoned. Uh, and yes. certainly Stone, this whole thing's ridiculous. And then we found out that the, uh, the head person on the jury, the foreman, I guess, was well, an anti-Trump activist, right? Yes, yeah, and she was tweeting anti-Stone stuff during the uh, during the time <laughs> that they were in their debate, you know, having their yeah, yeah, I mean, deliberation. Like it turns out that in the Anglo-American tradition, you are not allowed to do that. <laughs> we have these crazy rules. <laughs> and, of course, the judge is a communist. I mean, Amy Berman Jackson is this horrendous, and I would say openly, uh, you know, anti-Stone and anti-Trump as a judge. So we'll have to see what happens. She may grant him another trial because my guess is he could be granted another trial on appeal uh, because everything has so obviously been crooked. Just have to see. Lou, one, one last thing. Here's Roger, a by the way, has no money. He and his wife have lost their home, spent all their money, and uh, as happens when you're, when you're targeted by the state like this. And it's, uh, so even if he gets pardoned, uh, in, in some sense, he's already been ruined. Yeah. Terrible. So uh, sick of well, it. now... Yeah, it seems sort of anticlimactic to ask this, but I am entertaining a contrary-to-fact scenario here. Imagine Obama, instead of quietly criticizing Joe Biden and you know, indicating that he's not going to intervene, suppose he had been a 
big, major cheerleader for Joe Biden from the beginning. Do you think that changes the shape of things? Yeah, I think it would have it would have helped with the the black vote, but um, because Biden is convinced he's going to get the black vote in South Carolina, um, I would not be surprised to see him lose to Bernie, but he might beat Bernie. We just we just have to see. But I think um, Obama definitely yes would have changed things. Didn't no? I'm trying to remember this because it's been four years. But didn't Hillary just absolutely kick the crap out of Bernie in South Carolina last time? Yes. Okay, yes, she did. it's because he had uh, he did not connect with black voters. Now suddenly he does. Well, what do you think happened? Is it just that there's no Hillary anymore? Well, that's that's probably part of it, but also you know it's what he's talking about. He's talking about um, redistribution and and all the things that uh, can people are interested in. And um, I think that they're paying attention to him. I think last time they didn't pay any attention to him or anybody else except Hillary. Yeah, yeah. And there you go. So we'll just have to see what happens in uh, South Carolina on Super Tuesday. Uh, I guess it looks like Trump has the nomination pretty much locked up, would be my instinct <laughs> yes. on the Republican side. So, And then, of course, I'm curious to see what, what winds up happening with the LP. But, uh, folks, lourockwell.com is the website in case you're one of the seven people in the libertarian world who didn't know that. And um, I guess there isn't going to be another debate for a little while but I think, Lou, that one, given that the, the race will be pared down by that point, that one may also be worth yes, no, talking I, about. So I, I, I think that's right. Let's pencil that in on our calendars. And thanks for your time this morning. Tom, thank you very much. All right, folks, that is today's episode. Tomorrow, I've got Amity Schles back on the show to talk about her brand new book on the great society. And it is indeed a critique. So we'll have fun talking about that. Make sure you subscribe to The Tom Woods Show over at tomwoods.com slash apple. Costs you nothing, and all the episodes get delivered automatically to your device. Uh, moreover, remember, of course, given what's going on in politics, as I said in my interview with Lou just now, go over to bernieiswrong.com and get your copy of Bernie Sanders is Wrong. Costs you nothing. Thanks for listening, everybody. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit TomWoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time. Like the sound of The Tom Woods Show? My audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at Podsworth.com.